And I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, lacing up my work boots in the morning. And I'd done this a hundred times before and it's cold and it's dark and it's just miserable. It's like that soul sucking. Oh God, I can't believe I have to do this again. And the best way to explain it is it felt like, and it sounded like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And they're all on different channels. And one's telling me you're stuck here. One's telling me there's no way you can ever leave this job making the money you're making. People think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. What will your friends think? What will your family think? And this is the, the heaviest one. Like what makes you think you could actually be successful? And in that moment, I genuinely felt like the best thing for me would have been to take my life. My name is Paul Harvey, and this is Life, Passion, and Business. We're about helping you explore, finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. Sometimes when we get what we want, it's just not enough. I think my guest on today's show coined it best when he said, I try to make something profitable into something I was passionate about. And as you heard in the intro, having it all was doing nothing for him. He was so close to taking his own life, and as a gun owner, he had the means to do it. My guest on the show today is fellow podcast host and co-creator of The Next Level University, Kevin Palmieri. Like many people on the show, Kevin did not have the best start in life. He came from a broken home, and his childhood was hard and pretty loveless. He had no father figures in his life. In fact, he did not meet his real father until his late 20s. So there were no positive male role models in his early life. On leaving education, he had a succession of jobs, from gas station work to cleaning and driving. He did get into fitness and he became a PT, and life was okay. But money was always an issue. And then an opportunity arrived. It would be hard physical work, but it was more money than he had ever earned in his life. It was renovation work on schools and public buildings, and at $50 an hour, he grasped it with both hands. The job involved lots of travel and being away from home for weeks at a time. Now, at the end of 2015, after 10 months on the road, he hit that magical number of the six-figure income. The reality was the money did not make him happy. In fact, it was the reverse. Our conversation is the story of Kevin's journey to that point of crisis and beyond. It was a phone call that saved his life. We talk about his move into personal development and how he built a new life from there. Today, he and his business partner, Alan Lazaros, publish a daily podcast. Wow. Together, they offer group coaching, training, and online courses, and the Next Level program. Let's join the conversation with Kevin Pulmeri. Thank you for taking the time to be here with me, Kevin. Paul, thank you so very much for having me. I love the energy. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So look, we're all about life, passion and business. And I understand you've had a journey. I read your biography and I think you need to tell everybody about it because I think it's an amazing story. (laughs) Sure, sure. So 
When I was 25 years old, from the outside looking in, I had what any young man could want. Uh, I'm sure people who looked at my life were probably envious of what they thought I had. I had a six-figure income. Uh, my girlfriend was a model. I had a sports car. I had a new apartment. I had the body of my dreams because I had just done a bodybuilding show. But inside, I was still the insecure boy that I once was. I was still lacking confidence. I was lacking clarity. I was lacking vision. And my girlfriend at the time ended up leaving me because I was depressed. I was anxious. We tried to make it work. I told her I'd get better and I didn't. And to this day, I still thank her for leaving me because that was the thing that really, it really springboarded me to personal development and self-improvement. So the person you see today is like, I want people to go do their thing. I want you to chase your dreams. I want you to leave me if that's what it takes. My girlfriend wanted to go to California and chase her dreams. And I literally told her not to. I told her she shouldn't. And I gave her a list of reasons why. That's how low I was at that point in my life. So my girlfriend left. And for the first time, I really had to take a look in the mirror, Paul, of I'm insecure. I'm not confident. And I use my results to show people that I am confident. I use my results as this wall of perception to hide behind. And I got into self-improvement. I started listening to Tony Robbins and you know those kinds of books and YouTube videos and all that stuff. And I started saying these positive affirmations before I went to bed. Yeah. You, are, you are handsome. You are intelligent. You are worthy. And this is the problem, Paul. This last one here, I really, really leaned on. This year, you will make the most money you've ever made in your entire life. Let's go back a bit because I mean, you you started. I mean, you started high energy and really made bangers into the story, which is which is which is lovely. But I like to unpick these things a bit because hang on a minute, you got to twenty six year old whatever it was and six figure income. So what was that journey? Where did it? How did that bit start? <laughs> you must have had some passion and drive to get there in the first place. You'd assume that, but growing up, so I grew up in a broken home quote unquote, broken home. I didn't know my dad. The first time I really ever met my dad was when I was 27. Mm. So at this point in my life, I didn't know my dad. I didn't even know my dad's first name or what he looked like. I had wow. no clue. Wow. When I met him, I literally didn't know who I was looking for. Did you have, any, was, male, did you have any male models as a, as a young man? Not really. Mm. No, not really. Um, and that's why it's like, I don't think I designed my success in the, my, my mid twenties, my later twenties. And I've really started doing that, but I was the towny gas station guy in high school, nothing against anybody who works at a gas station. I've been there. I ended up going and cleaning bathrooms and floors and toilets at a hospital. Mm-hmm. That was another job I had. I was a personal trainer. I drove a truck. I was on call firefighter for a very, very short time. And I was very like down on my luck in between jobs. And I had this opportunity to go to like a job work fair where we learned about weatherization. So just think of how to make um, buildings more energy efficient. Hmm. And I went through this job thing, which was basically for low income people who didn't necessarily have a means to find a new, a new job. Yeah. And we get to the end of it. And the person who brought me in said, Kev, I have a really good opportunity for you. I love your energy. I love your personality. You seem like you're a really good person. I want to hook you up with this company who 
is a high paying job. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what that means. Like, what does that mean? And she said, you'll be making anywhere from 50 to $70 an hour, but there's travel required. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't really know. Like, what do you mean by travel? And she said, like, your first job is going to be in Delaware. And I live in Massachusetts. So Delaware is, you know, that's an eight hour ride. Yeah. So I end up meeting my boss and they say like, yeah, so just so you know, you're going to be making $10 less than everybody else on this first job site. And I was like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. And he's like, so you'll be making $50 an hour. And I was like, wait, what? Like, what's the catch here? And <laughs> I got in the car with my boss. I drove, How old were you at this point? Hello? Uh, I was 20, probably 23. Is that the most money you've ever earned an hour at that point? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine you get in the car and go, yeah, okay, take me, take me. I'm right. going. <laughs> it was like, what, what's the, what's the catch here? Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. What's the catch? So we go down to this really nice house in Delaware. Like we rented a house for the entire crew. And I remember Paul, the first week I literally couldn't afford food. Like oh, I God. literally bought deli meat, sandwiches and chips. Like that's yeah. all I could. And I went and found the first gym because I had to do my gym membership down there, but I didn't have any money. I remember like, vividly thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week. And then the first check came in and I was like, Oh wow. Like this is something special. And I just felt lucky. What were, you, do lucky. What were you doing? So we were working in schools to make them more energy efficient. So okay. we were doing weather stripping on doors. We were doing stuffs in attics, but we, the beautiful thing is we only worked for state or government. Mm. So I always made really, really good money. Mm -hmm. Like that was the least I made really 50 bucks an hour. It was like anywhere from 75 to 95 was my normal, which for somebody with no college degree and no formal education is like mind blowing. So that's how I got that job. And again, early on, it was really beneficial and I really enjoyed it. After my girlfriend left me and I started saying like, I'm going to make the most money I ever made. That's when it really picked up. So my girlfriend left me in 2015. But why were you unhappy? So like you've got this amazing job, which is, is taking you all over the place, agreed. Yeah. But it's paying you lots and lots of money. So you're, you, and you're a young man. You've got, a, you know, she's a beautiful woman. And she's obviously someone you, you, you had a lot of attention for. But why were you unhappy? I think a lot of it goes back to my childhood of, of not feeling good enough, not feeling loved, feeling abandoned. You know, it's it's one of those things of we all think money will buy happiness ah. and we just want to prove it to ourselves. Like I'll tell you and you'll tell somebody money doesn't buy happiness. And people say like, well, you know what? I want to find out for myself. No, if you're a miserable git first when you haven't got money, you're going to be a yeah. miserable git when you have yeah. got it. It's just you, money, have bigger, you have bigger toys and just be yeah. more miserable. Yeah, <laughs> money doesn't. I don't think money makes you. I think it makes you more of who you are. It's just the, as, as one of my guests said, money's just the gasoline to make it all worse. Yeah. And that's, that's what it was. It's almost like this weird thing of I'm not happy. I assume this is the void that's creating that lack of happiness. Mm -hmm. Then you get the thing that's supposed to fill the void and actually makes it worse. And that brings you down even further of I'm questioning everything now. So after my girlfriend left that next year, was the craziest year I've ever had in terms of work. At the end of the year, I had been on the road for 10 months out of the 12. Hotel to hotel every single week, only being home one night, two nights a week. And I get to my last pay stub. And my goal was to make six figures at 26 with no college degree before any of my friends, like on my own. And I did. 
And it was that same thing, Paul, of nothing changed. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed in my life. I was still insecure. I was still all of these things that I thought I could buy with money. And honestly, that day changed my life because for most of my life, I realized I had been living unconsciously. I then created a podcast called the hyperconscious podcast. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious, realizing why you're making these decisions. And this podcast thing really, really inspired me. It felt to me like I was making a difference. I felt like I was growing and contributing for the first time in my life. So this job that I loved became an issue even more Mm -hmm. because the money didn't matter as much as the podcast to me. So I'm literally just loathing going to work. I don't want to drive five hours to New Jersey. I'm calling out. I am leaving the job site early. I'm like one of the worst it got. I would have to be in New Jersey at 6 a.m. And New Jersey's a five hour ride from where I was living. I would sleep in my bed from 10 a.m. till, uh, sorry, from 10 p.m. until 4 a.m or 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. and get up and drive straight to the job site on Monday. On Friday, I would do the opposite. Like I would just come home and stay up all night because I just missed being home. Yeah, It was just terrible. It was terrible. And it got to the point where I'm in a crusty hotel bed in in a room in New Jersey, and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed lacing up my work boots in the morning. And I'd done this 100 times before. And it's cold and it's dark and it's just miserable. It's like that soul sucking. Oh God, I can't believe I have to do this again. And the best way to explain it is it felt like, and it sounded like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. They're all on different channels. And one's telling me you're stuck here. One's telling me there's no way you can ever leave this job making the money you're making. People think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. What will your friends think? What will your family think? And this is the the heaviest one. Do you really think you could succeed as a podcaster? Like what makes you think you could actually be successful? And in that moment, I genuinely felt like the best thing for me would have been to take my life because if I took my life, I took my problems. And that's not the first time I thought that. That was probably the second or third time that I had debated suicide. Um, I texted. There's that thing, isn't there? There's the talking about it and there's actual planning it. There's a distinction, I think. I, I, so I have a gun. Um, I'm a registered gun owner. Uh, Okay. Okay. You have the means. All right. I definitely have the, I have the means for sure. And it was, I remember even before all this with that girlfriend I had, we were living in Boston in this like really nice apartment, like really, really, really nice. And we were sharing it with another couple. And I just remember being home alone one day and being up in our loft and just thinking like, there's gotta be more than this. Like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like, this is just, I can't do this for another 50, 60 years. It's amazing that you come to this so young. I know. Because a lot of people don't come to this until midlife. That's why I I work on the midlife adventure because people come to this very question when they get to like late forties, early fifties. Yeah. You had, you were, I mean, I know it was shite, but you're blessed to have it so young in some way. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And what that showed me, like when you're sitting at the edge of a bed, you know, mm. five hours from anybody who cares about you. Yeah. Feeling like you're on an island by yourself. Mm. Things start to get somewhat clear. So I texted Alan, who's the co-host and a great friend of mine. And I told him what I was going through. And he said, Kev, 
you've learned and grown so much over the past few years because you've been into self-improvement, but you're your reality hasn't changed yet. Like it's time to make a change. Yeah. And I, I left my job three or four months later and I went all in on podcasting and like, it's been hard. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done building a business and building podcasts. But I went in and this is something that I think is important to talk about. I went in based on my passion, not the expectation of profit. When mm-hmm. I started this, I wasn't making a dime. I didn't make a dime for a year. Yeah. I didn't make a single dime from this podcast for a year, but this is what I did, Paul. And this is what I don't think a lot of people do. I found something that I was unreasonably passionate about and try to find a way to make it profitable. Where in the past, I took something that was very profitable and I tried to convince myself that I was passionate about it. I now will, I would die for this thing, this community, this mission, this purpose, this thing that we've created where before I almost died for something I didn't believe in. Mm. And that's just the shift of, I grow and contribute every single day now. And, and Tony Robbins talks about growth and contribution, growth and contribution. I think those are the two things that most people just don't have. And that's what they're longing for. And I think that's what I was longing for that I didn't have. Yeah. And, and then you were contributing on some level because, you know, you, but making these buildings energy efficient and, and more comfortable was a contribution. It's just, yeah. it wasn't the contribution that lit your, lit your candles, yeah. such, was it really? Yeah. It was, it was me contributing to somewhat of the environment because hmm. we're saving energy, Yeah, but I didn't feel like I was contributing to me. I felt like I was contributing to my wallet. But like a lot of these jobs, I'm up in an attic in 120 degree weather where if you fall through the floor, you're going to get hurt and or die. Mm. You know, we're like, I'm working up on 35, 40 foot ladders in gyms. It's not a glorious job. It's a lot of dirtiness. It's you're cracking your head on rusty nails. Like there's, it's not very glorious. It's not very sexy. And it's doesn't not. It doesn't sound like much health and safety either. No, we, 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 have, we have health and safety in this country. You couldn't do that, you know. <laughs> there, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a lot. Let's just put it that way. But again, I'm grateful for that opportunity because I learned so much. Like I was a foreman on that job. So it was my job to pack the van. It was mm. my job to set up the hotel. It was my yeah. job. Like I learned so much, which I'm, I'm grateful for. And I feel like it's really helped me in business and, and in the podcast. But I've, I've been able to take the lessons and leave the pain. One of the reasons it's easy for me to talk about the suicidal thoughts and, and, all of that is because now I'm beyond that. Again, it's still hard. It's still difficult. I, I said this at the beginning of this. I'm living the dream. I am living the dream, but some days the dream is darker than others. That's all. It's, it's the best dream I've ever had, and it's always trending up. But I would be remiss to say, you know, this is difficult. It's not easy. No, there has to be. There has to be color yes. in it all. Otherwise, it's not worth yes. doing. Yes, it's, uh, I, I talk about this a lot. It's like it's like playing golf where you never get any, you never you know you never score any. You, know, you always get the hole immediately. immediately. What's the point? <laughs> if you always hit the target. What's the point? It has to be some resistance. Yeah, yeah, and there is, and there is, and I find I find with most people, you know, we've coached I don't know fifty or sixty people. Well, we we're coaching thirty to forty right now, so we've probably coached close to hundred at this point. But mm. one of the things that I found is a lot of the resistance a lot of the friction is self-created. The, the issue that I had was that I never figured out why I didn't feel good enough. I just tried to throw things at fixing that. And I think that's, it's that inner game. It's that, 
exploring the self that most people, it takes 30, 40, 50 years sometimes, and it takes a lot of different tragedies or pains or traumas. I just got all of that tragedy, pain, and trauma at once. So it forced me to look in the mirror. And I think, I do believe that's a blessing in retrospect. It is amazing you got it all at once because it, I guess what happens with most people is they get that pain and trauma, they process a bit of it, mm. and then society or something else comes in and, and gives them a distraction, like be it drink, drugs, alcohol, person, people, something comes in and kind of smooths it all over and then we back on the train again and then, then yeah. life's fine. Yeah. And I think that's what happens. Too many people get on the train of life's fine uh, and they don't realise that everything just about everything that they're struggling with is all self-created yeah we call it the plain uh, the pain pleasure pendulum yeah so i think about it this way if you go into work on a monday and it is the worst day you've ever had and you're thinking to yourself i'm gonna quit one of two things happens you quit or you finish the day off tuesday it's a little bit better wednesday it's a little bit better the pendulum has to swing all the way to hell no in order for most people to go all in on hell yes. The problem is it's usually just kind of in the middle of like, this sucks, but not enough to do something about I it. I stayed in the job for 21 years on that on that basis. Right. And that's every, what every, time, every time it got shit, I would get to the point where I'm, right, I'm not looking for a job because I've had enough. And every time something always changed that energy. Something yeah. always came in to go, no, it's not that bad. Look at this, you know, be it, you know, a new project, turn, something turned up. Oh, this is interesting. Well, perhaps I'll leave the job search on alone a bit. So I know exactly what you mean by that. It, it yeah. does. It really is quite common. But it's, so, it's, go ahead. Let's get back to you, my friend. So obviously you went all in on the podcast. Uh, so, so obviously you left this job, went all in the podcast. How long ago was that now? Oh, man. 2017, I went all in on the podcast. Okay, so you've done well in in, in the in the short space of time to actually go from that pl- the place of nothing to something. Yeah. Clearly, you brought a lot of energy to the game by the sounds of it. <laughs> I try. That's my my goal. Is like I get to do what I love every day. Yeah. You know. So we just crossed episode 720, I think, on episode number seven, and I think I talked to you about this off air, but on episode number seven. I went through an episode and said, like, this is my dream life where I wake up when I want. I get to do interviews and be on shows and talk to amazing people. I get to go to the gym when I want, spend time with my friends and families. Like, I just get to design my life. And here we are 715 episodes later. And that is the truth. And it's like, of course, you can forget that. The law of familiarity creeps in and you forget that, like, you know, this is a blessed life that I live. But it's I don't want to forget that because. I live down the street from a company who does what I used to do. And I see those trucks pulling out of there at seven in the morning. And I know what that feels like. I know what they're going to do. And I know what I'm going to do. And there's that, that feeling of alignment of like, anytime I need a reminder, there's somewhere to look where it's like, you're blessed, nothing but gratitude. You have to keep earning this, but this is what you wanted. And this is what you have now. Don't forget Mm. how bad you wanted this before you had it. And we have to remember also, there's no right answer to this journey. I mean, this is your answer. This is my answer. But for those guys getting in that truck in the morning at the moment, you'll see that might be their answer. They may be, they may be thoroughly enjoying it. You know? yeah. and, I, and I know some people who did, do, did various jobs in their life. You know, I'm an old guy. I'm 58. So I, I've known a few people that have had some 
what I would call really crap jobs, and yet they've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. My my uncle was a trash a trash man. He literally mm-hmm. rode on the back of the trash truck and worked with one of his best friends who owned the trash company. And he loved it. He was right. like the happiest guy ever. Send that. I met a guy a few weeks ago. So we've got in, in our garden, we have got a telegraph pole, you know, big pole, telephone cables at the top. I met a guy whose only job up here is he travels around every single telephone pole in about a hundred mile radius and checks are not rotten. So he goes up there and he hits him with a hammer, checks the bottom, checks the top, checks it out. And then he, he approves it or not approves it. And I says, do you know what you get it for? He goes, no, he said, it's a fantastic job. I said, why is that? He said, because I'm my own boss. No one bothers me. Mm-hmm. I just got to make sure I get all these poles done every so often. And he says, and I just go out to amazing places in the high. I mean, I'm in Scotland. He's traveling in amazing places. So I understand why he loves it. But, you know, it's like, what have you know, what, what I got to worry about? I just got to make yeah. sure the- and, and I can understand that simplicity of that role. And, you know, his passion probably somewhere else. Yeah. But that's work. And it's how he's doing his journey. That's what I can well, say. And I it. think it's just an important distinction to figure out, like, what do you actually want? Mm. You know, like, one of the things I talk about openly all the time is people, a lot of the questions that we get is, do you think being an entrepreneur is for everybody? And the answer I say is absolutely not. If you are a very, very certainty-driven human being, being an entrepreneur will strip that certainty from you very, very quickly. And if there's any entitlement there, that's got to go quick. I was a very, very certainty-driven human being. I needed to know where my next paycheck was. I needed to know everything. And that is something that I've been able to shift luckily. But it's not. it wasn't because I wanted to. It's because it was what the journey forced me to do. But I think it's important. Like that person certainty and experience might be two of their most important things. They're certain they know what they're doing. They get the experience of traveling and seeing different things and having different hours and meeting different people. Like they like the experience of that. So I think it's super important to check in with what do you actually want out of this journey? Do you want the significance of standing on stage in front of a thousand people? Like, I love that. I'm in for that. Do you want the variety of being able to travel anywhere in the world at any given time? How important is love and connection? Is it important to you to have a family or would you rather be a rock star? You know, I think it's just important to sit down and think like, what do I actually want out of this weird thing that we're doing? Yes, absolutely. And very few people spend the time to do that. Yeah. Most people spend their, their days on surface level doing surface level things. They don't go deeper. And that's the choice. That, uh, that's what I always come back to. There's no right or wrong in this. It is our journey, our quest from cradle to grave and we choose how how we how we do it yeah so back to you my friend obviously clearly at some stage you had a success model when you were very young you had a success model and and money was it so how did that evolve for you um so we break things into mastery impact money and not we not we i need you (laughs) well (laughs) i break things into mastery impact uh money and love now but that a lot of that a lot of the the credit I give is to Alan. I've learned so much from him. So we work so closely together when it comes to success that I've just learned so many success principles from him. Uh, So I always want to try to give him credit because I, you know, usually rake him over the coals. So how did you meet Alan? Because he's he's your, he's your co-host. Yep. He's my co-host. How how did you, how did you guys meet? How did, how did that, that, how did that come about? We went to middle school together. We grew up in the same town, went to, went to middle school together, had a falling out for a while. He went and experienced life. Went to one of the best technical institutions in the country. 
I went and did job to job to job to job. And we ended up reconnecting through a friend and we started, he was the first guest I ever had on my podcast before it was this. Okay. And then it was kind of, we were kind of off to the races from there because we have the same core values. We have the same core aspirations. Um, so I break things into mastery, impact, money, and love. Yeah. Money will always be the main motivator for me. It just is the way it is because I love the certainty associated with it. But I now base my activities on how much money is involved, how much impact is involved, how much do I get to master my craft, and what does this do for my relationship? So it makes my decision-making paradigm very easy. If we have the opportunity to speak to 10,000 kids for free, I'm in because that's 10,000 levels of impact. Yeah. If we're going to go talk to one person for $15,000, I'm in because it's $15,000 worth of impact. So I make my decisions now based on what will move our business forward and what is the best use of my time, really. That's kind of how I, I do it now because as you know, the more quote unquote successful you get, the more opportunities you get. And it's not about what you say yes to, it's about what you say no to. Because yeah. you say no to 99% of the opportunities that come your way anyway. So that's been a really interesting shift and pivot that I've had to learn. Yeah, it, the, the no conversation is quite a hard one to learn for many people because we're, mm -hmm. so used to, we're so used to saying yes to people and not saying no. But it's when you get to a certain level, you do have to learn to say no. That's very true. And if yeah. you want to get bigger, then you have to learn to say no. Yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle there at the moment. I'm still saying yes to a lot of things, which is probably, although I have in this year stopped taking on particular types of work. And um, so that's, so I, that's me learning to say no. Yeah. That's a practice. It is. And I, it shocked me. I was in a pod, I was being interviewed and someone said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a podcast host and uh, I'm a virtual event host and I'm an ex digital marketer. And it was like, Oh, I actually stunned <laughs> myself because I'm an ex digital marketer. <laughs> Well, you still have the lessons that you learned. I do. I have the skills that I use. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, we, we've touched on contribution and clearly that is a massive thing for you these days. So what is contribution for you? Contribution means giving something to somebody regardless of any return. Mm. You know, I, I had a, a friend of mine one time who we reconnected and we reconnected. Things were amazing. This person was growing and they were just, they felt really good about themselves for the first time in a long time. Hmm. They attracted a partner into their life and they completely got rid of me. So I was just gone. I helped you get to this level and now I'm gone. And somebody said like, doesn't that make you mad? And I said, no, I, when you find a bird with a broken wing, you can't be mad that when the wing heals, the bird flies off. Like that's, that's the point of the bird Con contribution to me means impacting somebody's life with no expectation of return. I, I think that we're all looking for something mm. at the end of the day. Like every friendship is an exchange of energy and expectation. Every relationship is an exchange of energy and expectation. My expectation is that you'll take what contribution I give you and you'll do something great with it. That's what contribution is. It's, it's the opportunity for you to do something great with your greatness yeah, through yeah. my energy or a lesson or me teaching you or my story connecting with you. It's just, yeah, understanding that I want greatness for you without expectation of anything having to come back to me. 
And there's a reward to contribution, isn't there? I mean, there, there is there is a personal reward for it. You know? Yeah. And, and it's like it's like the giving of a gift. You know, we always know that giving is is just as valuable as receiving. Yeah. There's something special about. And again, it's not about getting the messages, but I'm sure you've gotten the messages. It's knowing that what you're doing is actually positive, mm. like tangibly getting messages that, hey, you changed my life. That's something that is rare and it just strikes you at a human level of like, oh, wow, I can't believe I can't believe that I had that level of impact on a human being who might have that level of impact on another human being. And that might proliferate across the world. It's that weird thing of you feel really good about yourself when you're doing good things. I remember walking around my kitchen like two or three years ago, broke, no money, didn't know what I was going to do. But I remember feeling good about myself for the first time that I can remember of like, I just feel like I'm a good, valuable human being. Like it feels really good to be me today. And that was just a weird feeling for me, but it's because I was contributing and I was growing so much. And I'm, I'm on this journey that's based on this destination that I'm never going to reach, but the destination isn't really what's important. It's who will I have to become in, you know, during the journey to, to attract that and sustain that. Mm. That's the game. That's the thing I have about goals. I mean, I think goals are important for us to, on some level, but they're also not the be all. Right. It's, the, it's the journey to get to the goal that's most important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and obviously, you see that in certain things. I mean, for, I mean, marathon training is one of those things. You know, the race is the race, but actual fact, the journey is getting there. Yeah. The, the, what it takes to actually become a marathon runner. And it's very, it's very relevant for me because I'm still chasing that goal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you chase that running. I get these short legs, Paul. So that isn't for me. Ah, well, there we are. It's each, each to our own. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you have some weightlifting goals still. I do. I do. But I, I love what you're, I love that frame of your goal is to run a marathon. It's not necessarily to be the fastest person to do it. Like that is a different level of goal. Yeah, I'll never be Kachogi. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, you see that guy running on TV and no one knows how fast it is. I know. Because the camera pans with him when he's running. Until you try to do it. And then you try to run it. And when you, when you sit down and realize he's actually running at over 20 kilometers an hour, I mean, you realize he's running at 10, 10 miles an hour plus he's running at. You, drive yeah. a, you try and keep up with a car at 10 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> keep doing I, that for two hours. <laughs> I tried to run a, a six minute mile a couple of years ago. And I almost, because Alan and I were talking in the gym and he's like, we were talking about a six minute mile. And I was like, I could run a six minute mile for sure. And he's like, let's go, let's go do it. There's a track right down the street. And I was like, fine, let's go. And like, I almost died, Paul. I'm not surprised. I almost died. That's tough. It's tough. It's bad. It's bad. I made it, (laughs) I don't know, three quarters of the way. And I ended up face first on the track. But but I think that just speaks to everything looks easier than it is, especially when you're not doing it. Like being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is the sexy thing now. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about that all the time. But like what people don't talk about is I don't have a safety net. Like I don't have a 401k. I don't have anything that I don't provide. If I don't make a call to get a client, I don't put food on the table. You know, and there's that level of there's a huge difference between being an entrepreneur and being in business. Like those are two different things that most people don't actually experience. 
I think that's true. And I think um, a majority of people are actually in business or they've created themselves a job. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what a lot of people do. They create themselves. I mean, I've done it. I created myself a job. I ended up with loads of clients who I was, who were loads of different bosses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who wanted my time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's part of it. That's what you do in the end. So look, my friend, contribution is good. How do you contribute to yourself? Mm, great question. I have non-negotiables that I just refuse to miss. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways I, I contribute to myself is through learning. Um, over the last, I don't know, four or five years, I haven't missed a day of learning. I learn something new every day. My goal, I shoot for 40 minutes of an audio book a day. Wow. So that's, that's my goal. Um, right now I'm listening to some Gary V I'm listening to some nonviolent communication. Um, so I try to really learn about what I need to go through next. Yeah. So that's always my goal. And then for me, it's, it's fitness. I contribute to myself through my relationship. I have an amazing, amazing partner, Taryn, who is the most supportive person when it comes to this whole entrepreneur business, being broke, all of that stuff. She's, she's so amazing. So I'm grateful for that. But I contribute to myself by disconnecting from other humans. This front-facing thing that we do is heavy and it takes a lot out of you. When I want to contribute to me, I go find solitude. Whether it's watching, I love watching mixed martial arts. I'm a huge fan of, of combat sports. I love that. Uh, but just being, just being present with myself is how I refuel. That's, that's something that I don't, you know, a lot of people think this fills their cup when they pick up their cell phone and they scroll on social media. And I think it's about really sitting down and talking to yourself about what really fills your cup. I had a client who said she'd love taking baths. And I said, okay, cool. Let's do that every night. Like, let's just do it every night. If that fills your cup, do it every night. If going for a walk in nature fills your cup, do that. For me, parking my butt on the couch at the end of a 12 or 14 hour day really does it for me. I love that. I love watching TV. I just do. But, you know, that's what does it for me. That came through the trial and error of realizing scrolling on Instagram for four hours while I watch a, while I watch a movie is not, is not the thing for me. So Simple no. things, Paul. I'm a simple man. The phone is a wonderful gadget. It also sucks the soul out of us. Dangerous. <laughs> so, my friend, what is the one question you like people to ask of you or themselves? Um, I, the question to ask of me. I like when people ask me, hey, can you help me with this? Hmm. Because I usually... I like to think I can. And mm. if I can't, I probably know somebody who can, you know, and I think it's, it's the vice versa. I wish people would ask themselves more who can help me with this genuinely, because there's so many people out there who just want to help you. Yes. They just do. And then a secondary question that I, I'd like people to ask themselves more insane. This is a question that I try to ask myself more. What would the best version of me do? Mm, that's a nice question. That's, it's just a, the biggest difference between who you are today and who you want to be is your habits. And if you can make it a habit to figure out like, well, what would that actual version of me do? Like if you shoot a piece of paper into the, the wastebasket and miss, the best version of you would get up, even though it's behind it, the best version of you would get up and put it in the trash. Yes. Like that, those little things elevate your standards, which I think elevates your expectations of your life. 
Yes, I'm looking at my messy desk, thinking of the best way to maybe clean it. <laughs> it's a, it it's the cluster's building up on this desk. It doesn't I know the in. feeling. <laughs> so um, what does Next Level University do? What do you do and, and how do you help people and what are you looking for? Sure. So Next Level University, we are a daily podcast. Um, <laughs> we drop episodes every single day when it, and it helps people get to the next level of health, wealth, life and love. So wow, daily, that's one, daily. Hell of a sh- that's one hell of a schedule. You must, be edi- <laughs> you must be editing every day. We have a team. Okay. We're, we're blessed. We have an amazing team and we have an 11 person team that helps us do the amazing things we do. So I'm grateful for that. Um, our goal is to help people get to the next level of life, love, health and wealth. Yep. I think a lot of people are really good at one thing. Our goal is to be holistically successful at self-improvement, like holistic self-improvement. I want to help people with their wallet as much as their relationships, as much as their relationships with their self, as much as their ability to make money with clients. Like our goal is to just help people level up everywhere. So this is a coaching process. Is it a partic- based on a particular yep. model? Uh, it depends. So I do a lot of podcast coaching. That's my specialty is because I'm in charge of the content. I'm in charge of all of that stuff. I've done the studio, all of that. Mm-hmm. Alan really, really talks to a lot of listeners, early entrepreneurs and lifestyle design. So, and then we do group coaching as well. So we have a lot of different coaching things going on, mm-hmm. but, and we have an online course that we're releasing. So just like we talk about no matter where you are, there's a next level. We want to have that in our business as well of, look, I know not everybody can afford, you know, a thousand dollars a month for podcast coaching. That's just not in everybody's wheelhouse, but we have a $47 course. So if you can afford a $47 dinner, you can afford a $47 course. So we want to help people at, at every level. And, and I think everybody is somewhere different and everybody wants to be somewhere different. So if we have a product or service or episode or speech, whatever it may be that serves them to help them get there, then we're doing the right thing. And how would people find you and get in touch with you? Oh, sure. All you got to do is search Next Level University. We're on all of the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube. All of our episodes are up in 4K as well. You can find me at Never Quit Kid on Instagram. And then Next Level University is, you know, we have Facebook pages and LinkedIn and all that happy jazz. So anywhere you listen to shows, you can find us and we're on all the social medias. Fantastic. Great. So all those links will be available on the podcast app that you, you're listening to it now. And they were available at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. So do check it out. So Kevin, we get to our last question, which is the one question which we have actually walked around a lot in this podcast because you have touched on it. What is the meaning of life for you? I think the meaning of life, well, the meaning of life for me particularly is to take all of the lessons take all of the pain, take all of the experiences that I have and share those with other people so they can avoid the missteps that I've had. My goal is to be the person I needed. That is what, that's the way I answer my messages. That's the way I try to show up as a human being. I think the purpose in life, the goal in life, the reason for life is we all have unique experiences. If we can use our uniqueness to help other people, I think that's the goal. That's the reason we're here. Brilliant. Yeah. Very succinct and nicely put. Thank you so <laughs> thank much. You, sir. Well, Kevin Palmieri, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been a joy to talk to you, sir. Paul, I enjoyed it. I enjoy the energy. I enjoy the conversation. It was it was genuinely my pleasure, my friend. All the best. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Kevin Palmieri. 
If you would like to connect with Kevin, you can find him at thenextleveluniverse.com. He's on Instagram, neverquitkid. And he's on Facebook, and there's a Facebook group, Next Level Nation. All of those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. And while you're there, do check out the five questions under the resources tab. It's a workbook based on the five questions of the podcast. And in my opinion, it is the base point for creating the life you want to live. So do check that one out. And that's it from me for this week. So thank you so much for being on this journey with me. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please give us five stars on the app of your choosing and share it with a friend if you can. So that is it from me. As always, thank you so much for your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.